With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Go For It. I am your host, Paul Gannon. For the next two hours, we will be talking sports and having fun doing it. I want all your ideas, all your opinions, and all your beliefs. And, of course, as always, you will get a heavy dose of my opinion. If you have an opinion, your number to call 646-727-3070. That's 646-727-3070. You can listen to the show at blogtalkradio.com slash pgant. That's blogtalkradio.com. You can send messages to the show on Twitter at GoForItGant, G-O-F-O-R-I-T-G-A-N-T. And you can hit us up here in the chat room at blogtalkradio.com slash PKN. Chat it up, talk sports, have fun, doing a great show lined up for you today. Expected to be joined by one of the stars of VH1's Hit the Floor, McKinley Freeman. We're going to talk to him about that big-time show on VH1. Talk to him about the NBA and get his take on what may happen in the National Basketball Association. March Madness as well. I mean, he played college basketball, University of Illinois, so we'll talk to him about all those things. We're also expected to be joined by uh, safety Stevie Brown of the New York Giants. He re-signed with the Giants this week, one-year deal. He's back with the Giants, and we're going to talk to Stevie about him signing, re-signing with the Giants and, and what he expects going into this season. You remember Stevie Brown two seasons ago for the New York Giants, eight picks, eight picks for Stevie Brown. He had a big-time year uh, for the New York Giants, a big-time year in 2012. And he was expected to have another decent year. They expected to have another decent year in 2013, but ultimately he got hurt and he was out for the season. So we're going to talk to Stevie about all those things. And also, St. Peter's College assistant coach Marlon Gill will be joining us in this March Madness, the Madness of March. And we're going to talk to Marlon about Championship Week, the upcoming NCAA tournament as well. So it should be exciting. I mean, March Madness is upon us. It's upon us. I mean, you know, you got Championship Week up and running. And then after this, you know, you you got the playing game, obviously. And then Thursday of next week, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you got some big-time basketball games going on, one and done. The finality of it all is so, so beautiful. Here's the thing about March Madness, and especially next week. I think the best part of the tournament, obviously, is the first two days, so Thursday, Friday. You, you have opportunities for upsets. You, you get to know new names. Heck, you even get, even get to know new schools, Florida, Gulf Coast University. I mean, who heard of Florida, Gulf Coast University before the NCAA tournament? I mean, so you get to know new schools new guys, new players, new coaches, and, and ultimately it's just a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful thing, and we're going to talk to 
Marlon, about all the beautiful things of March Madness and Championship Week. I want to start in the National Football Association, National Football League. It's not an association, it's a league. But anyway, I want to start in the NFL and free agency this week. A lot of twists and turns. Tuesday at 4 o'clock, March 11th, it was a beautiful thing. It was a free agent friend. And here's the thing about the NFL, and I tweeted this out. Here's the thing about the NFL. We're, we're, we're a month after the season. We're in the middle of championship week. And guess, guess who's, who's stealing all the headlines? A league that's not even in session, the National Football League. I mean, they're stealing all the headlines. They're grabbing all the headlines. And I, I think that's reason number 1,001 why the NFL is king and why the NFL is the best thing out there. Everybody cares and loves the NFL here in America. It's just the way it is. But I look at the National Football League. I look at free agency, and I want to caution fans about free agency. I mean, and I said this before many times, but I, I, I feel the need to remind everyone, championships aren't won in free agency. Championships aren't won in free agency. Championships are won in the draft. And you look at the Seattle Seahawks and what they did in the draft, who they did. And Russell Wilson, they got their quarterback in the third round. Richard Sherman, a fifth rounder. Malcolm Smith, a seventh rounder. Cam Chancellor, I believe, a fifth rounder. I mean, cornerstones of your defense happen in the draft. Cornerstones of your team was because of the draft. The 49ers built through the draft as well. The thing about it is you build through the draft. I mean, and then that's how you become successful in the National Football League. It's not the splashiest free agent. It's not signing all these free agents. It's not about that. This isn't basketball. I mean, this is not like basketball where you sign a LeBron James and all of a sudden you go from a middle-of-the-pack team to a championship-caliber team. This is not that. It's not that. This is the National Football League, so it's so much different, different animal, different situation, totally different animal. So free agency doesn't – you don't win a title in March. Titles are won in my mind in May when the NFL draft comes up. But anyway – Anyway, it was hot and heavy. It was hot and heavy, and Jerry's bird, he gets paid. A lot of guys got paid. How about Darrell Revis and, and what happened with Revis? I was thinking, you know, after the Revis deal went down, I'm thinking, okay, ultimately the Patriots, they set their sights on Revis after Aqib Tlaib went off to Denver. And not to say they really wanted to sign Tlaib, and, but anyway, once they – once Tlaib went off to Denver, they set their sights on Revis. And Tlaib got, what, $26 million in guarantees? So I look at that, and I say, you know what? I look at that, and I say, you know what? If I'm Denver, would I have been better suited, better off uh, going after Darrell Revis than Tlaib? I mean, last I checked, Revis is a better corner than Tlaib. And I'm not saying Tlaib is a bad corner, but I'm saying Revis is better. So you would think that Revis would, in my mind, be an upgrade over Aqib Tlaib. You would think that would be the case. So, yes, Denver 
spent money and got Tlaib, and, and it, it is a big-time acquisition. But as far as I'm concerned, I believe the better guy is Darrell Revis, and I think the Patriots made out better with Darrell Revis. And if you don't agree with me, Ty Law does. Ty Law, quote, said to the USA Today, the Patriots were only a few pieces away from being a Super Bowl team again. Now that you have Darrell, hey, why not? Darrell is an upgrade. No disrespect to Akeeb, who is a great corner in his own right, but outside of Denver and the AFC, who else do you see besides the Patriots? That's what's so appealing for Darrell. And it's an upgrade. Darrell Revis is an upgrade over Akeeb Tlaib, as far as I'm concerned. He's an upgrade. So it's a good situation for the New England Patriots. When we come back, we're going to be joined by one of the stars of VH1's Hit the Floor, McKinley Freeman. You're listening to Go For It on Block Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Go For It. Donald Faison. Your Knicks have the best chance out east, though. I will say that. The Knicks have the best chance in the Eastern Conference to beat the Miami Heat. And the Knicks have had some success against the Miami Heat in the regular season, but... That doesn't mean anything in the playoffs, time. When the playoffs come, it doesn't mean anything. I was trying to throw you a bone, man. I was trying to get your your hopes up. Come on, man. I'm a realist, (laughs) too, man. (laughs) Actor Robbie Jones. Well, we know that, you know, we know that you can kept married women. We've seen you you have a pedigree. We see what you can do. We've seen it. I would never bring my wife around, too. I just don't know what you're capable of. Come on now. Come on now. That's early. That's not Rocky. (laughs) That's called brother. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. You're very, very good at your job. Thank you, sir. Make it fun. You really do. (laughs) Okay. Hey, what up? It's Corey Almeida, a.k.a. Corey Live, host of Picturica on the Hub and warm-up host for American Idol and Dancing with the Stars. And right now, you are listening to Go For It on Blog Talk Radio with my man, Paulie G and Jeremy. Get it! Thank you, sir. And we're back. We're going to bring in a guy now doing big things on VH1's hit show, Hit the Floor. Let's bring him in now, one of the stars of VH1's Hit the Floor, McKinley Freeman. McKinley, how are you, man? man? How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Doing well. Thanks for joining us. And McKinley, it's good good to be on. No problem. Thank you. McKinley, hit the floor. It's coming back May 26th, season two. You guys did big time ratings in season one. Talk about the success of this show in season one. You know, I think um, I think it was uh, it, it was it was fun to watch, man. I think it was a show that you know while we were shooting that everybody kind of looked around and thought like, man, this could be pretty cool if we could, if we could keep doing this, you know. And then um, as the story started to unfold, people started getting into it, and more and more drama and intrigue and stuff. And it just kind of you know week to week the, the buzz continued to grow. And um, you know, man, we're all very grateful and happy to be working um, on the second season. And I think it's going to be bigger and better than the first one. So I'm looking forward to. Uh, to, to seeing how people react to uh, where the story's going, man. And now you're on the show, and obviously you play basketball player Derek Roman. Derek loves the ladies. Who is Derek Roman? Talk about him. Uh, you know, Derek Roman does love the ladies, man. Derek Roman's a guy that has the world at his fingertips and, and at times um, can, can, can lose pulse on reality, if that makes any sense. But 
Um, all the while, I think um, there's a lot of things about Derek that people can relate to, you know, the drive to want to be great and to be understood and to have love and have, you know, the, all those kinds of things that we all wake up and, you know, that's one love or another really want our own personal lives. So this is a guy that just so happens to be, um, you know, one of the one of the stars of, of this basketball league and tons of disposable income and the world is fingertips, but it doesn't mean he's without, you know, normal problems that, that people every day can relate to. Now, Derek Roman, is he the typical NBA type player? Well, I think um, I think uh, I think any any type of drama or anything like that does t- does deal in, in the in the in the area of of some kind of reality. But I think there are probably some aspects of it that are, and then there are more. Like I just said, there's, there's probably just as many things that are related to on a very human level. But I'm, I'm sure that, like, you know, guys that have disposable income have fancy cars, party. I mean, I mean, that's just, you know, that's just kind of a given. But I think, you know, my, my what I took as a challenge was to um, not just look at the words on the page and figure out how I can give people the idea of what everybody else has seen before. Uh, it was more of, um, you know, connecting with the very simple human things and then from there let it be whatever it is. You know what I mean? Now, now, Derek, I mean, you're on set with, with a lot of beautiful women. I'm a common man, so give a common man like myself an idea of what it's like <laughs> to be on set with all these beautiful women. Man, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely fun, man. I think, um, you, know, there's, you know, clearly there's, a, you know, from the cast and dancers and everybody else, I mean, there's, there's a plenty of beautiful people. Uh, I, I, you know, it's one of those things, though, I mean, you know, Season one, it was looking around, like, dang, man. And then, you know, season two, it's like, man, I've, I've seen all these people for like a year now, you know, and then it starts to be like, you know, the, the relationships get deeper. We have more, you know, in-depth conversations and things like that. But at the end of the day, man, you still never get away. I, I, sometimes I just marvel at like, man, like, there are a lot of beautiful women on the show. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I, just shake my, I just shake my head, say silent prayers, say thanks, and keep it moving, you know? <laughs> We're talking to one of the stars of VH1's Hit the Floor, McKinley Freeman, and Hit the Floor comes back May 26th on VH1. Now, McKinley, I, I heard in an interview from you that the, they asked you what type of woman do you prefer, and you went Jay-Z on it. You said kind of short, kind of thick, small, light, kind of dark. I swear I like them all. I mean, you went Jay-Z on them. I guess yeah, you don't I mean, have a preference when it comes to women, man. Is there a preference? Listen, man. <laughs> I, 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 like I'm gonna quote Jay Z again. I don't adjust the facts; adjust the facts. You know what I mean? It's like it's just I can just give you keep it 100, man. I um, you know, I I, I think for me, it's I, I know what it is when I see it. You know what I mean? I don't okay. walk around with any um, preconceptions on what's gonna make me happy or what I'm attracted to. I mean, I'm, there's certainly some preferences, but you know, when it comes down to attraction, kind of this is what it is. Man. You can't really explain it, you know. So you're a single you're a single guy right now? I am, man. I am. Okay. I am okay. so uh all the all the all the all the, the peaks and valleys that come along with that, but I'm loving it. <laughs> now McKinley, you play college basketball at in Illinois. We have the NCAA tournament coming up. What what's it like to play in a tournament game? Give the give the fans an idea. You know, it's 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 interesting. It's just kind of a, a two two ways to approach it. One is, you know, from a from a fan kind of um, bigger look at the game um, in the tournament. It's like, uh, man, it, it, there's nothing like it. I mean, it's the most exciting part of the season. You know, as you know, beyond conference play and that stuff like that, because you know, you work all season to 
have have a chance in the tournament because when when you get there, you just want to be in the playoffs. It's it's a, it's a playoff. Right. All you need is to get on a run, and who knows what can happen. You know what I mean? You can look at some of the schools like George Mason and Wichita State that seems to have been on a run for about a year and a half now. But uh, you know, you you um. Do you, you play all year, you work all off season to give yourself a chance to be in a tournament, and then from there, man, it's just a matter of taking care of business one game at a time. But um, at a at a at a at a smaller level, um, you know, the coaches, all the the coaches that I've heard speak about it, and just my own playing experience in college was, we looked at it as a, a weekend tournament. You know what I mean? So it's like, okay, look, we we're playing in a tournament this weekend. There's there's eight teams. Um, and our job is to win this small tournament. And don't worry about what anybody else is doing. Just worry about what's happening in this arena. And uh, if we can win out, if we can win this tournament, then you know we'll advance to another small tournament. Um, so I thought that was a pretty interesting way of looking at it because I think if you um, try to take in the whole, you know, oh this is the tournament, this is our chance. You know, you, 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 the chance to get distracted is a little bit, a little bit higher chance that you actually get distracted as opposed to just remaining focused. And, you know, coaches um, like Bill Self and, and, and those kinds of coaches, they do a real good job of keeping people focused at some level. So, For sure, for sure. And what's more pressure-packed, being on set and hit the floor or, or uh, playing an NCAA tournament game? Man, I would say playing in a tournament game. I think at, at this point on hit the floor, it's like every, we're all family at this point. So it's like okay. it's just a matter of preparation at that point, you know, so – you know, when I get to set, I'm not worried about what my lines are because I already, I already know what they are and what it is I'm trying to accomplish and these kinds of things. So um, when I get there, it's, it is more like just playing the game, like getting out there and seeing, you know, going after what I need and, and um, seeing what happens. But, you know, they're playing in a college basketball game, it's a double tournament game, man. There's, you know, you have, you have the, uh, the emotions of the crowd, the, the, the stakes of the game, and, you know, you have this one chance, whereas, you know, you have – multiple takes if, you know, whether it be the camera's off or focus is off or you flub the line or something, you have a chance to do it over again. But, in you know, just like real life, you know, you don't have a chance to go back and redo things a lot of times. So I think uh, the tournament is kind of – I think that's why it's so exciting, right? I mean, the NBA, you have best out of seven, best out right. of five. I think they might have changed it to best out of seven through all three rounds now. But um, in college basketball, all you have to do is be better than the other team one for one game. Um, like, old school Villanova Georgetown, like they played that game a hundred times. You know, Georgetown probably would have won that game ninety nine times, exactly. you know what I mean? But exactly. it's that one game, um and that's that's really what's exciting about the tournament. And, and to me, that is what's exciting about the tournament. But also at the same time, the seven game series to me is what's so exciting about the NBA because it's just not one game and that that's the beauty of the NBA to me and I mean March Madness is March Madness, but it's if I have my choice I'll choose the NBA playoffs over March Madness. Just me. How about you? Wait, I, you know what? They're, they're, it's interesting. They're they're similar in that they're both basketball, but they're very they're very different. I think um, the uh, the passion and the you know the kind of um, un- unbridled like innocent you know charge towards an NCAA championship is, is that's the allure of it. Just like college college football, you know. I mean, right. um, but the cool thing about the NBA is that like like I said, you know, you got to play seven games, man. So let's say one one game, you know, a team, uh, pick a team, I don't know, the Knicks, let's just say the Knicks. Let's say the Knicks play the Miami Heat and, and they hit 17 threes in the game and they beat the Miami Heat. Well, guess what? You still got to face LeBron and them boys. You got to beat them like, three more times. And I'm like, it's about execution. And that's why, you know, that's why you have skilled players in the league that have long careers, like shooters, like, you know, Matt Bonner and some guys like that. It's because it's about execution. And, um, you know, the slightest mistake, 
you know, opens up Ray Allen on the other side of the court. You know what I mean? Right. So it's a, it, it is about execution, and that's the thing. That's the beautiful thing of NBA basketball when it's played at a high level, um, because there are plenty of teams that um, you know maybe don't play at as high level, have basketball IQs, or play a team concept, and those kinds of things. So. We're talking to one of the stars of VH1's Hit the Floor, McKinley Freeman, and Hit the Floor comes back May 26 on VH1. Now, McKinley, let's go to the NBA. NBA, the NBA season is winding down. And, and I look at the NBA, and for the first time in a long time, it's pretty wide open, Miami and Indiana in the east and out west. You got the Rockets, you got OKC, you got the Spurs, you got the Clippers. How excited are you for the NBA playoffs, man, when they start? I mean, this is wide open. Well, it's going to be good, man. I think um, a lot of the compelling matchups, you know, leading up to the finals are going to be out west. I mean, there's legitimately, you know, six or seven teams that can make it to the Western Conference Finals. Right. Um, but, you know, so so in that regard, there's going to be a lot of good matchups. Like, you know, I, I'd love to see um, Golden State play the Clippers or Golden State play Portland. You know, you got Seth Curry going, uh, against Damian Lillard or Seth right. against uh, Chris Paul. Um, and then you have, uh, you know, the other compelling matches where, you you know, you want to see if Dwight and James Harden can match. And, you know, James Harden arguably might be the best two-guard in the league. Um so it's going to be interesting to see who matures, and but the, but the, the, and and out east, I mean, it, right at this point, it's a two it's a two team race, but it comes down to right. matchups. You know what I mean? Like, you know, nobody wants to play Chicago in the first round. You know, <laughs> nobody's talking about how you know Chicago traded, you know, doesn't have fifty over fifty of its points from last year, and they're still you know one of the top three or four seeds in the east. Um, and then you got a team like the Nets that um, are starting to gel a little bit. You know, mm-hmm. they're starting to play team basketball, and again, it's about skill positions and experience and that's a team that, you know, maybe somebody else wouldn't want to play. But the thing about the playoffs in the NBA as well, man, is like the thing that I always say is that if you look back historically, like fast break teams, like, <clears throat> you know, if it wasn't, you know, I'll, I'll take Phoenix out uh, that Nash, the year Nash, uh, who was that? I think Amari Stoudemire got kicked out of the game in the Western Conference Finals. Like they probably yeah. would have won the championship that year. But beyond that team, um, I'm hard-pressed to find a team that's up-tempo that, that makes it to the finals and wins because the game slows down. And that's where exactly. teams like um, the Clippers come to mind, like all that lobbing and all that other stuff, like, man, it's not happening. You know what I mean? Like you're gonna have to, you have to earn the free throw line. The game slows down and you got to value possession. So I think for me, in, in my own looking at it, I, I think the Spurs are probably still the favorite for me to get back to the finals. You know what I mean? Um, over OKC with, with Westbrook back. Yeah, you know what? I think, um, it, it, I mean, there's no denying that um, Oklahoma City has the talent. And, and Westbrook, you know, I think every team in the league would love to have him running point. But I think at this at this stage and, um, you know, kind of both teams, you know, comparatively, I think the Spurs do a much better job of value, valuing each possession, which at the end of the day, it, that's what it comes down to in playoff basketball. Right. Um, you know, you can go – there's no way there's no way you should go um, – you know, six or seven minutes and Kevin Durant not get a shot. It just doesn't make sense. You know what I mean? Um, or, you know, you know, there's, there's stretches of games that I've watched, and again, this isn't an indictment of the whole season, but there's stretches of games that I've watched where, you know, maybe they may take bad shots or they take, you know, possessions off on defense or anything like that, where as the Spurs, you know, they're going to give you, you know, a solid B-minus all season. They're not going to give you a whole bunch of A-pluses. They're not going to give you too many Fs, but they're going to give you that solid, you know, B-minus effort all season, and that, that's honestly why they almost won a championship last year. Right. Because they, right. they, they do all the small things consistently, you know. And it, you almost think they should have won last year. I mean, we all know what happened in game six and how, uh, you know, they messed up on the free throws, Kawhi Leonard, uh, Manu Ginobili. 
I mean, they probably should have won the title last year, but, I mean, you got to make the plays when you need to make the plays, and at the end of the day, they didn't do it. But, uh, like yeah. I said, it, it's it's going to be wide open. It's going to be a lot of fun. No, I a agree. lot of fun. I agree. Can't it's wait. Gonna be, it's going to be fun to watch, man. Yeah, definitely can't wait. Now, McKinley, you are more than just a pretty face, man. You you have some major poetry skills, and I hear you have an e-book out there. Tell us about that. Yeah, yeah, you know, I wrote this. It's called uh, At McKinley Freeman. It's on iTunes and Amazon, Kindle, and um, Shucks, and just about everywhere else. But um, basically it's, uh, it was uh, ten original poems that I wrote that were inspired by ten Twitter users that I, did, that I don't know. Um, I basically I sent out a message saying, like, the first ten people that send me a word, I'll write, you know, poems inspired by that word, and then I'll share them with everybody. And um, I, I sent that out, and, like, in less than three minutes, I had, like, over four or 500 words. So wow. I did the first ten, and I was like, cool, like, let me just get to work on them. And uh, so I wrote them and, you know, published them. I gave people credit for the one for the words that I used. And, you know, it was a cool process, man. And at the end of the day, like, I... You know, I wasn't trying to – I never had any estimations of being able to retire once the book came out. Um, <laughs> but what I did but what I did tell myself is that, if I, you know, if I went through the whole process and it helped one person and it was worth it and had a couple people say that, you know, it spoke to them at a specific time in their life, and I was like, well, cool, then it was wow. worth it. You know what I mean? Definitely. So. Definitely. Now, you're doing big things with Hit the Floor. What else is going on with you? What else do you have going on with McKinley Freeman? <laughs> man, all kinds of stuff, man. You know, as a – as as a hustler, man, I'm like always trying to figure out how to make how to make the next not, not so much make the next move, but make the most um, you know be 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 very strategic and thoughtful about some of the things right. I could be spending my time on. So I wrote a short that I'm hopefully looking to shoot over the next couple of months, and then um, I have a few um, TV show ideas that I'm building out with some friends and um, a couple of producers. So we'll, we'll see, man. I mean, I think the sky's the limit, and, and at the moment, um, you know. You have to take advantage of the opportunities where when they're around because I'm, I'm not the kind of student that they'll always be around forever. I mean, they could very well be, but that that's just not the way, you know, that's not the way I think or I'm sure majority of people think. So, you know, just trying to be real productive and um, continue to be creative and have a, the second volume of that book coming out this summer. And okay. um, Yeah, man, so just really for right now, though, um, you know, while we're shooting, um, you know, it has my undivided attention because it's right. like I've been waiting you know, we found out in July, August that we were getting picked up and I had to wait five months to work again. So I'm like, now that I'm in it, I'm in it, you know. So it's <laughs> exciting, man. It's ex- it's an exciting time. I'm really, um, really having fun with it. I got to ask you this, man, because every time I watch Hit the Floor, I don't see you with any type of shirts. Do you own a shirt? Man, that is a great question, bro. I, <laughs> I, I, in my personal life, I do, but it, it seems to be every time I go to wardrobe, my um. My my uh, my wardrobe keeps getting smaller and smaller, man. I, I should have some kind of Hanes um, some kind of Hanes sponsorship or something because I feel like I'm in my drawers all the time. But um, but yeah, no, I, I you know they they yeah, you know I guess it kind of is what it is at this point, man. I, you know you got to know what you're selling, and I get that that's that's right. part of the game at the moment. And you know I roll with it; it's fun, man. I take it. You got to keep it tight. That's all. Just keep it tight. Yeah, man. Exactly. I can't. I can't. Eat whole pizzas like I want. I just have to wait. <laughs> now we saw a lot of twists and turns in season one of Hit the Floor. What can we expect in season two? Man, more of the same and then some. I think um, James Larosa and um, the the writers on the show did a, an amazing job of crafting out um, a really compelling, unpredictable story. Uh, and I think um, 
you know, just just in, just just you know, I don't know, just working this thus far on the episodes we were. It's going to be great, man. I can't. I really, I'm really excited about um, getting the show back on air because we 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 really do have some passionate fans, and we're looking forward to getting back on air and sharing them the stuff that we're working on and seeing how they react to it. And um, it's going to be a fun summer, man. Now, McKinley, where can fans find the information about all the great things going on with Hit the Floor, all the great things going on with McKinley Freeman? Uh, you can find me on both Instagram and Twitter. Um, at, it's uh, at McKinley Freeman, M-C-K-I-N-L-E-Y-F-R-E-E-M-A-N. And, again, that's on both uh, Twitter and Instagram. Simple and easy, man. Fans, support some of the great things going on with McKinley Freeman. He has hit the floor. He has some e-books out there. This guy is doing big things. Hit the floor returns to VH1 on May 26th. Make sure you check it out. McKinley, a pleasure talking to you, man. Wish you nothing but the best of luck moving forward. Let's do this again. No, I'd love to, man. I appreciate you having me on because we always, we always, when we start talking basketball, all the time flies, man. So no, it's always, it's always fun to be on, man. And I'm, I'm, I'm more than happy to come back whenever you want, man. Sounds good. Appreciate it, man. Take care. All right, you too, bro. McKinley Freeman, one of the stars of VH1's Hit the Floor, which comes back May 26th on VH1. Check your local listings for times in your area. And speaking of the NBA, speaking of the NBA, Phil Jackson is coming on back. Phil Jackson is going to be today. Expect to be now. I think it already happened. Press conference and everything. Phil Jackson is back in New York. He played in New York as a player, and you know Phil is returning to the New York Knicks. He is the president of the New York Knicks, and the announcement will be made on Tuesday. Tuesday at 11 o'clock at Madison Square Garden. And you look at Phil Jackson now. And, and Phil Jackson has been critical of the Knicks roster over the years, called it clumsy, um, has been, you know, critical of Mello, says the ball tends to stick to Mello when he has it. I mean, so he's been very critical of the Knicks players over the years. Now he's an executive. You look at the New York Knicks, no draft picks, no number one in 2014. I mean, they're saddled with certain contracts. I mean, Tyson Chandler, J.R. Smith, Boyani, they got some contracts they got to worry about next season. So the Knicks are a rebuilding process. They are a rebuilding in some respect from the standpoint, okay, especially what happened. What it all depends what happened with Smello. If Carmelo Anthony opts out, which man, he is going to opt out, but if he goes elsewhere, then at this point, if he goes elsewhere, if he goes elsewhere at this point, at this point, you look at the New York Knicks, they got to be in rebuild mode. They have to be in rebuild mode. If, 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 he, if he goes, they're in rebuild mode. There, there's no way at this point, if Melo is leaving New York, they become rebuilders. rebuilders. And so at this point, obviously bringing in a Phil Jackson says, you know what, 
we're, we're serious about changing what's going on here in New York City. Now, I know Phil Jackson, the coach, 11 titles. I know Phil Jackson, the coach, 13 NBA Finals appearances. I know Phil Jackson, the coach. I don't know Phil Jackson, the executive. I don't know Phil Jackson, the executive. He's worked with some good executives over the years. You know, he's worked with some good ones over the years. So I don't know Phil Jackson, the executive. And you wonder, will Phil Jackson, the executive, also be Phil Jackson, the coach? I mean, who better than, I mean, if you could pick any coach to coach your basketball team, you probably would pick Phil Jackson. So if you're Phil Jackson and you are the executive, guess what? You're a pretty good coach. So let's just say you become the executive and that major announcement will come Tuesday. You're the executive of the Knicks and things aren't really working out the way you want them to with your coach. Would you be the one now? A la Pat Riley, come on down from the office, the front office, Come on down back to the bench and run it yourself. Would you be inclined to do that? Obviously, Mike Woodson probably won't be back. Probably won't be back. I know there's been talk of Steve Kerr, um, you know, a guy that's pretty well-versed in the triangle. He's a guy that you may see as the coach of the New York Knicks. Who knows? But you wonder how Phil Jackson's going to turn this thing around in New York. You wonder what he's going to do in New York to make this a better situation. What will Phil Jackson do to make this a better situation in New York City? I don't know what he's going to do. I don't know. But I think first things first, you have to convince. And whether he wants Melo or I mean, it's up to him how he feels about Melo and what he believes he can do with Melo moving forward. But I would think, you know, trying to get Carmelo Anthony to commit to the New York Knicks moving forward would be a start. Um, you look at 2014 in this free agency class, obviously the Knicks probably won't be big players, but 2015 certain contracts come, come off the books, and at that point they can be big players. Would it be big players in LaMarcus Aldridge and, or Kevin Love or any of those, one of those guys, or Rondo as well? I mean, so obviously now – you look at the situation with the Knicks, it's not a clear-cut situation. I mean, Phil Jackson, you look at his history, he likes to come to ready-made situations. The Bulls were, were ready-made when Phil Jackson came. Obviously, he's a closer. He's not a starter. He's a closer. He's, he's, he's Mariano Rivera. You know what I mean? He's Mar- Goose Gossage. He's one of those types. He's a closer. He went in there and closed the situation with the Bulls. He went in there and closed the deal with the Los Angeles Lakers to the tune of 11 titles. Phil Jackson now, ready-made. this is not a ready-made situation in New York. This is going to be a challenge. And, you know, some people talk about legacy. Legacy, his legacy is fine. So this is nothing to do with legacy in terms of Phil Jackson at this point in time. Legacy has nothing to do at, with anything. Nothing to do with anything when it comes to Phil Jackson and the situation with the New York Knicks. Nothing. At the end of the day, I mean, this is, only, this is just a cherry on the top. If it works out, put the cherry on the Sunday. If it doesn't, then your Sunday 
won't have that cherry on top. But at the end of the day, Phil Jackson is fine in terms of legacy. 11 titles is a legacy. He's fine in terms of legacy. So as far as I'm concerned, in, in, in looking at the situation with, with Phil Jackson and the New York Knicks, this is going to be a challenge. And this franchise hasn't been right for a long time. Scott Layden tried, failed. Isaiah Thomas tried, failed. Donnie Walsh, Walsh tried, failed. And you're talking about Donnie Walsh, one of the better executives in this league. And, you know, a lot of people say James Dolan is a tough guy to work with, work for. Will Dolan now succeed, succeed some of his power to Phil Jackson? Will he fall back? I mean, according to reports, five years, $60 million. So you give a guy that kind of money, that tells me on some level you're going to fall back and you're going to let Phil be Phil and let Phil do what he got to do to make your situation the best it can be. Phil, you gotta let, you're, you're probably going to let Phil be Phil. And we'll see what Phil can do. We'll see what Phil can do. And, and you look at Pat Riley, I mean, when he came down to replace a Stan Van Gundy at the time, he was almost like a closer in, this, in that particular situation because ultimately he turned everything around ultimately they won the title. He was a closer. He was Mariano Rivera. He was Goose Gossage in that particular situation. He was those type of guys in that particular situation. Now, obviously, the Knicks are not at the point that the Heat were when uh, Pat Riley came down from the front office to put the Miami Heat over the top. The, the, the Miami Heat were a championship-caliber team with Shaq and Dwayne Wade. So the Knicks, I mean, you look at this team, the Knicks, who are on a five-game winning streak, playing some pretty good basketball at this point in time, fighting for their playoff lives, three games out of eighth and final spot in the Eastern Conference behind the Atlanta Hawks. But you look at the Knicks, playing better right now. And you look at this team, this is the same team, same roster that we saw two seasons ago. Last season, I should say. Same roster that won 54 games, minus, minus now, some of that veteran leadership that you had with Jay Kidd, Kurt Thomas, Rasheed Wallace, Marcus Camby, minus those guys. But J.R. Smith had a much better season a year ago, sixth man of the year award winner. Tyson Chandler was healthier a year ago. I mean, those guys were healthier and better players a year ago. Now, but you, you see what this team has, Hardaway Jr., is playing some good basketball. Um, Amari is playing some pretty good basketball. So there is talent, some talent on this roster in the terms of making the playoffs. You know, maybe this type of situation, bringing in, uh, bringing in a, a, a Phil Jackson will inspire this unit, inspire this team, inspire Mike Woodson, inspire Mello, Chandler, Stoudemire, and the rest of these boys, J.R. Smith, because this is an audition. This becomes an audition, an audition for Mike Woodson, an audition for a lot of guys on this roster to see if you fit into what Phil Jackson wants to do in New York City. 
This is an audition. And will those auditioning, will those auditioning step up to the plate? Will they step up to the plate? And I'll look at I'll say this. If you're the Indiana Pacers or the Miami Heat, the top two seeds at this point in the Eastern Conference, probably the Pacers hold on to that number one seed. But if you're any of those two teams, I really don't think you want to see the Knicks in the playoffs. I think you would rather see the Atlanta Hawks or even the Charlotte Bobcats over the New York Knicks. Now, I'm not saying the Knicks could beat the Miami Heat or beat the the uh, Indiana Pacers in a seven-game series. I'm not saying that at all. But what I am saying is this. When it comes to the playoffs, guess what? 16 games, you win 16, you win a championship. 16 games, at least. That's how, that you're at least playing a minimum of 16 games if you want to win a title. Now, you know, if the series go longer, let's just say you play a seven-game series, for all four rounds, including the finals, just, you're talking about now 28 games, uh, essentially almost a, a third of an NBA season. So you look at it, Indiana, Miami, you don't want to play a team that's going to make you play an extra game or two. And anything can happen in that extra game or two. You want to keep the, that two a minimum. You want to keep that to a minimum. You don't want to be out there playing more games than you need to play. You just don't. You just don't want to play more games than you need to play. So the bottom line is this. The bottom line is this. If you're the Miami Heat, Indiana Pacers, you hope the Knicks fall off. You hope that the Hawks can hold on to that final spot in the Eastern Conference. You hope that's possible. But I look at it. I look at it. The Knicks can't beat the Knicks won't beat the Miami Heat or the Indiana Pacers in seven game series. That won't happen. But the Knicks can stretch you. Instead of playing four, you may have to play six. And anything can happen in two games, you can go from a championship-caliber team to a second-round exit, a la the OKC Thunder and what happened last season with Russell Westbrook. And you look at Russell Westbrook and that team, when he went down, the championship hopes, dreams, and aspirations of the – OKC Thunder went with him. And the reality is anything can happen. Anything. Anything can happen. And you don't want that thing to happen where you don't want that thing to happen where where your guy, Westbrook, or, or, or your guy, Durant, or your guy, LeBron, or D-Wade, and especially if you're the Miami Heat with Dwayne Wade, you don't want to play a lot of games with Dwayne Wade 
because of wear and tear that's on that knee or on his body. You want to limit that. You, you want to limit that if you can, if any at all possible. You want to limit that. So I look at it, and I look at that situation, and I'm saying right now, you don't want to see the New York Knicks in the playoffs if you're anybody in those top two seats. Melo can come to your gym, drop 40, 50, and steal a game and or two. So the more games you play, the more wear and tear on your body. The more wear and tear on your body, the more chance or an opportunity for injury. You get an injury, a la Russell Westbrook going down. You get an injury of that sort, of that type. All of a sudden, it changes the prospects of your team. Your team, who, who many once thought or believed was an NBA championship caliber team, becomes a team now that is a first or a second round exit. So that's just something to think about moving forward. Let's go back now to the National Football League, free agent, free agent frenzy, if you will, and a lot of fun. I mean, just an absolute ball. You know, I, mean, I was waiting until Tuesday. You know, some people wait for championship week. Other people wait, wait for NBA free agency. But I was waiting. I was like a little kid during Christmas, waiting for 4 o'clock to come, waiting, waiting for, for, for guys to start signing various places, waiting to see where Jarius Bird will go, waiting to see where, where you know, Revis was going to get released, waiting to see when Revis was going to get released, or waiting to see if Revis was going to get traded. And then after Revis got released, waiting to see who, who he was going to sign with. I mean, just, just the anticipation. It was just making me sick. I mean, it was amazing. But it's fun. It's fun. It's, it's like, you know, it, it's, it's almost like Monopoly money being thrown around. I want this guy and that guy, and I want him. And, you know, and then everybody is, 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 is you know, and it's, it's almost like, yeah, I want a Super Bowl. You're winning a Super Bowl in March. I mean, the, the fan bases. Of these various teams, I mean, look at Denver signing a T.J. Ward, Demarcus Ware. I mean, bringing those guys into the mix, Akeem Talib as well, bringing those guys into the mix. I mean, a lot of people are saying now Denver, you know, is all in, and now Denver is a much improved team. I mean, uh, you look at New Orleans; they are improved with the acquisition of Jarius Burt. I mean, they were not a bad defense a year ago, and they become a better defense with the acquisition of Jarius Burt. They do. And Denver's all in. New Orleans is all in. They're all in. But you look at all these moves, and it was just crazy. It was crazy. But it's fun. It's absolutely fun to see where various teams are going to go. It's absolutely fun. But Denver, I mean – I, I, I've been on record and in, in, in talking about the Denver Broncos. I, I said this, um, I said this uh, a few weeks back after the Super Bowl, and, and I looked at the numbers. I don't have the numbers in front of me today, but I looked at the numbers and, and I saw a difference in the Denver Broncos defensively in 2012 than what I saw in 2013. They were a much better defensive team in 2012 than they were in 2013. They just were. They just were. 
the numbers, uh, they spoke. The numbers showed that they were better in terms of points per game. In terms of sacks, they were a better defense in 20, uh, 2012 in comparison to what they were in 2013 on the defensive side of the ball. You know, you look at the difference now, and um, you look at the difference in Denver. I mean, obviously they scored more points in 2013. They were a much better offensive machine in 2013. They were pretty good in 2012. But at some point, at some point, you, you, you look at uh, Peyton Manning, and, and you know, he's he coming back from an neck injury, and he, he, he took his physical and everything, got a clean bill of health, all is good with, you know, all is good with uh, uh, Peyton Manning in terms of his health. But, but Peyton Manning is 37 years old and will be 38 when the season gets started. He will be 38, 38 years old. Now, can we expect, can we expect a, a guy, a guy like, like Peyton Manning now, can we expect him to, to duplicate what he did in 2013? Obviously, you get your defense better, so he doesn't have to put up 55 touchdowns over 5,000 yards, 54-77. You know, you, you improve your defense with the hope that he doesn't need to put up those type of numbers in order for you to be successful. So you, 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 you improve your defense for that to happen. But here's the thing with Peyton Manning. He's 38 years old. It's not old, obviously, in, in, in everyday life, but in the game of football, it's ancient. When will Peyton Manning start acting his age? And will he start acting his age in 2014? Because, look, unless your defense is, 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 is Seattle-like or, or Raven-like of 2000 or 85 Bear-like, you know, you're going to have to have a quarterback to put up points and make plays. And obviously Peyton Manning has shown throughout the course of his great Hall of Fame caliber career that he can put up numbers and put up points for his team. But I look at, I look at the Denver Broncos, and at some point, Peyton Manning is going to get old. Now, you, you, you look at Brett Favre, and, I, and obviously I believe Peyton Manning is a better quarterback than Brett Favre, but you look at Brett Favre, that, that magical season that he had for the Minnesota Vikings, that magical season he had, was that 2009, that magical season he had, and the type of numbers he put up, 33 touchdowns, only seven interceptions. You know, and obviously the, the, the Vikings sending, Jarius, Jarius, sending um, uh, Jared Allen and, and, and some guys down there to, to, to convince Brad Childress to go down there to convince him to, to, to come on back, come on back. And, and they convinced him ultimately to come on back, and he was awful, awful in the following year. And he was 40 years old at the time, obviously two years older than Peyton Manning will be. But you look at uh, Brett Favre and, and what he was in 2009 and the type of number that he put up, the special, cal special type of season that he put up 
for the Minnesota Vikings, 33 touchdowns, only seven interceptions. And he led that team all the way to the NFC Championship game and was a Adrian Peterson fumble in that, I believe, the first quarter, second quarter in that game, and his own interception. Brett Favre threw a big-time pick there. Uh, he was a couple of mistakes away from getting the Minnesota Vikings to the Super Bowl. But it didn't work out. It fell apart for Brett Favre the following season. The following season, he was awful. 11 touchdowns, 9 interceptions, started 13 games. That streak ended there. And, and he was awful. He was awful. So you look at Peyton Manning. At, at some point, he's going to get old. It, it's just the nature of the beast. Father time is undefeated. No one, and I mean no one, beats Father Time. And Peyton Manning, can you see Peyton? I mean, obviously with a guy like Peyton Manning, you'll believe it when you see it in terms of him faltering, in terms of him being a different player, in terms of him struggling. You'll, you'll, you'll believe that when you see it. You'll believe it when you see it. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it, and at this point, I'm still believing that Peyton may not be 55 touchdowns. I mean, that's a historic season. May not be 54-77, again, a historic season. It may not be that, but maybe it's along the lines of his first season in Denver, what, 37 touchdowns. Maybe it's along those lines. Maybe that's what it is for Peyton Manning. But... The good thing is, if you're the Denver Broncos, and the thinking is, if you're the Denver Broncos, you know, we don't need 55 and 10 in order for us to be and go back to the Super Bowl. Maybe 37 and 11 is good. 37 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. Maybe that's good. Maybe it's good enough with the improvements that we made on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, if DeMarcus Ware can, can, can regain, regain that form and stay healthy, obviously you have something there. Tlaib, he was a big-time corner. Last season, if he does, if he did what he did in, in in New England, obviously you have something there. T.J. Ward had a decent season in Cleveland. If he did, can duplicate what he did in Cleveland, obviously you have something there, and obviously you have made improvements on your defense. I mean, we'll see what happens with Chris Harris, their other corner, and you know Von Miller, and what happens with him. Von Miller, I should say, and what happens with him, and whether or not he can come back from an ACL and be healthy. And, and, and be good enough and, and be what you, what you need in order to be successful moving forward. But, but you, you, it's, it's going to be interesting. And, then, and that's the thing about free agency at this point. We're just speculating. We're just, I mean, it's, it's just a speculation at this point because you don't know how that player is going to fit in that system. You, you don't know. You, you don't know. And then some players are, are a byproduct of, of systems. So we'll, we'll and you know schemes also important because some schemes work for some players while other schemes work for others. I mean I, I look at uh, uh, Jeremiah Trotter, former Philadelphia Eagles, as an example, and the success that he had in Jim Johnson's defense. Well, you, you send Jeremiah Trotter to Washington, and he didn't have the same type of success that he had with the Philadelphia Eagles because that because you know what the defense that he was that he played in the Philadelphia suited him. So he left Philly, went to Washington, 
ultimately came back to Philly and was a big reason why the Eagles went back, went to the Super Bowl in 2004. So it's sometimes about system and, and what system works for what players. So it's about that sometimes. When we come back, we're going to talk to a guy who, who just re-signed with the New York Giants. Stevie Brown will be joining us. When we come back, you listen to Go For It on Block Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Go For It. Donald Faison. Your Knicks have the best chance out east, though. I will say that. The Knicks have the best chance in the Eastern Conference to beat the Miami Heat. And the Knicks have had some success against the Miami Heat in the regular season, but... I just that doesn't mean see anything in the playoffs, Tom. When the playoffs come, it doesn't <laughs> mean anything. I was, trying to throw uh, you know you, I was trying to throw you a bone, man. I was trying to get your, nah. your hopes up. Come on, man. I'm a realist, <laughs> too, man. <laughs> Actor Robbie Jones. Well, we know that, you know, we know that you can tempt married women. We've seen you, you're, you have a pedigree. <laughs> we see what you can do. We've seen it. <laughs> I would never bring my wife around, too. I just don't know what you're capable of. Come on now. Come on now. That's early. That's not Rocky. (laughs) That's cold-blooded. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. You're very, very good at your job. Thank you, sir. Make it fun. You really do. (laughs) And we're back. And we're going to be joined by a guy now who re-signed with the New York Giants. You remember 2012. I mean, this guy had a big-time season, had eight interceptions for the New York Giants in 2012. And I, I was saying back in 2012, where did this guy come from? And let's bring him in now. Safety for the New York Giants, Stevie Brown. Stevie, how are you, man? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Doing well. Thanks for joining us. Oh, yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Now, Stevie, you signed a one-year, $4 million deal with the New York Giants. What made you want to return to the New York Giants? I mean, you know, just everything in New York I like about it, between the uh, uh, players, the coaches, the organization, the fans, everything out here, it's just all, it's all great. So it's, it's an easy decision to try to come back here. Now, did you want to entertain any other offers, or you were set on New York City? I mean, you know, you definitely go through the process and you entertain other offers. But when it all came down to it, it seemed like this was the best fit for me, and so I wanted to stay here. Now, did you enjoy the process? Was it stressful for you? Did you enjoy the process of free agency? Yeah, I mean, I got it done rather early. I kind of we we kind of finalized the deal the night before free agency even opened up. But uh, it definitely is one of those processes where you just you don't you don't quite know what's going to happen. Um, you know, at the, at the beginning, sometimes you're hearing numbers that you don't necessarily want to hear, and right. you just kind of got to play the waiting game and then keep going from there. Now, Stevie, I see other safeties out here giving big-time money. you got Bird, uh, Jerry's Bird. you got T.J. Ward, to name a few. And, and I look at you in 2012, the eight interceptions, the big-time season that you had, and if you could have du- duplicated that, excuse me, in 2013, you could have been in line for big-time money. Did that go through your head at all? I mean, you definitely know. I mean, it's definitely something you think about. But, uh, you know, at the same time, uh I mean, that's what this year's for. I know I'm able to come back and do everything else and then get back to it this year. We're talking to New York Giants safety, Stevie Brown. And, Stevie, you missed all of 2013 after tearing your ACL. And it was ironic after the eight picks 
that you had in 2012. You got hurt after an interception. At this point, how is your health? Oh, that's good. Um, I'm about, about over six months out of surgery, and I'm able to do everything that I need to be able to do. Uh, right now I'm just uh, getting better at doing it, so I don't have to – I don't think about it. It's not in the back of the mind whenever I get out there and get ready for LGA camp and all that. Just trying to uh, continue to build and get better. Now, take us through the process of rehab. I mean, rehab, it, it can be lonely, it can be grueling, and it can be a very tough thing. Take us through that process. Oh, man, rehab is uh, it's a rough time. You know, the first like, week out of surgery, first couple of weeks out of surgery, and you're just now starting to use your leg again, trying to bend it and all that. You just feel like you're not going to be the same ever again because you can barely move your uh, knee to grease. And then... Um, then after that, you start you start seeing noticeable uh, improvement every single week. Whether it's uh, walking normal, finally finally being able to take off your brace, then finally you know, getting to the point where you can get the swelling to go down and your knee starts looking normal. You can start lifting a little bit, and then right. you're gradually increasing your weight, and then you get cleared to allow to run straight ahead, and then you get cleared to allow to jump and. You know, it's just you got to approach everything uh, with goals. And, you know, you just got to look at everything and knock off goals and checklists and everything like that that you want to do to get back to where you need to be. Now, it, it's, you talked about being able to, to, to have the confidence ultimately to be able to trust the knee. For you, do you think the hurdles will be emotional or, or more physical? Um. I don't know. I think it'll, it'll probably be more emotional because physically I feel fine. Um, physically, um, every single time I have my knee checked out, uh, whether it's the trainers here, the doctor here, or whenever I go get a checkup, they always tell me everything looks great. It's going to be a better knee at the point that it's at. It looks strong, and uh, it feels strong. Um, I just know whenever I'm out there, the first time I get that live game action, and um you know, I just have to start doing everything just off of instinct and not really worrying about it and not like a controlled environment. Uh, that'll probably be the first time. Uh, once I can get past that, then I'll be good. Did, did you have to guard against pushing too hard to get back? Yeah, you definitely do. Because one thing you don't want to do is build up arthritis in the uh, patella tendon, and that can come from whenever you try to strain too hard too early. And, you know, as athletes and competitors, you know, once you start on a little momentum, you start to you start feeling good at probably two months that you feel like you can do whatever you need to do, but you know you're still your patella tendon is still fragile. The uh, incisions that they made are still fragile, and you know the wrong wrong thing right there can set you all the way back. So you know they have to they have to tell you all the time, slow down, slow down, slow down. It'll gradually come. They'll gradually come. Okay. We're talking to uh, safety of the New York Giants, Stevie Brown. And Stevie, last season, the New York Giants had a lot of struggles on both sides of the ball. From what you saw, what do you think went wrong for you guys in 2013? Um, I mean, just uh, personally looking at everything, um, when I saw the offense, it just just never seemed like they all got on the same page. Um, You know, whether – the running game was working one day, but the pass game really wasn't working, or the pass game was working, but the run game wasn't working. And, um, you know, just whenever you're not on the same page, it never really uh, works out for you. When it came to defense, it was, it was kind of the same thing. Uh, but, you know, towards the end there, 
when everybody like got on the same page, you can definitely see how much um, improvement the defense made and all the strides that they are taking. So, you know, it, bit, it started off kind of rough, but I think uh, both sides kind of came together towards that, especially after that 0-6 start, and they decided to kind of talk more and trust each other more. And then you can start seeing the outcome, you know, finishing 7-3 and was a big deal after starting 0-6. For sure. Now, you look at the Giants at this point, they've been kind of quiet in free agency, uh, opting a lot to, to resign a lot of their own guys. And, and not a big deal because you look at it at the end of the day, I believe that winning in the NFL doesn't happen through free agency. It, it happens through the draft. But as a whole, do you feel like, feel like you guys will bounce back in 2014 and have a much better season? Oh, definitely. I mean, that's the, that's the culture of the New York Giants. You know, and uh, and uh, it's not a losing organization. And right. no one around here accepts losing. So the the movement that are the moves that they've made there in free agency are definitely good moves for us. And I ran into a beast and just yesterday whenever he was back as soon as he saw me like, you know, we're getting this right, right? So it's, you know, <laughs> they're putting the right pieces in place and everybody's excited. Now you you do play for Tom Coughlin and you talked about the success of Tom Coughlin. What is it like to play with Coach Coughlin? Play four, I, I should say, Coach Coughlin. Go ahead. I love playing for Coach Coughlin. Uh, everybody, when they ask you a question, I always just tell them he reminds me of my high school coach. You know, okay. even though he has a he has a lot of rules, but you know, you can't you can't argue with his rules because of these results are what they are. And as long as you just do the rules, then you're good. You know, it's sure. uh, you buy in, and then you know you're going to be successful. So I don't mind it at all. We're talking to Giants safety, Stevie Brown. And, Stevie, before you came to the Giants, you kind of bounced around the league a little. You, you came up the hard way, a seventh-round pick of the Oakland Raiders. How did Stevie Brown go from where you started to a big-time season in 2012 into a possible starter with the New York Giants in 2014? Um, you know, it's just, it's just hard work. Hard work and never uh, never giving up and never doubting yourself. You know, i got to – I've got a great family around me. I got great friends around me who always uh, just push me and strive me to do better. And that's also I'm still myself, just to always uh, strive for the best I can and never accept no for an answer. And you know, you just go out there and keep working, put your head down, and just keep grinding and keep preparing. And then whenever the opportunity comes, you've got to capitalize on it. Now, what does Stevie Brown feel like he needs to improve on to duplicate what he did in 2012? Um, first off, just getting his knee back right, and uh, being back to being back to myself. And then after that, it's just um, you know I I can't really say it's uh, too much improvement on the back end of it. I just know I need to uh, be able to fit better in run support and taking on blocks and becoming an all-around better safety. I mean. I'm not going to sit here and say I'm great at doing the back end of it, just roaming around, but I have confidence in myself that I'm pretty good at that. I just need to get better at the uh, run game and block aspects okay. and that part of it and becoming a better person. Now, Stevie, I'm looking at your Twitter page now, at StevieBrown27, and in the picture I'm I'm seeing a lot of food. Are you are you a big-time food guy? You're a foodie? Oh, yeah, I'm a giant foodie. I'm a giant foodie. <laughs> I've seen a lot of nice little plates on her pizza and, and brownies and chicken. That looks like I mean you're, you're eating good. Yeah, you know, you know. After I get done with my rehab, I don't have much else to do, so 
I get uh, go back to the house, uh, and I just get in the kitchen to try to uh, create some new dishes, make some new things, and uh, just go from there with it. What's your specialty? Oh man, I've been I've been doing so much lately. It's hard to it's hard to pick. Um, <laughs> But the one thing everybody really knows before would either be my barbecue turkey miso or okay. uh, my sweet potato casserole. Okay. And, and um, I see some chicken here on that page, and chicken always speaks to me. I mean, you, you're doing some big <laughs> things there. You're doing some big things in the kitchen. And, and again, fans, fans, make sure you connect with this guy on Twitter, at Stevie Brown 27 Support some of the great things going on with Stevie Brown. Stevie, a pleasure talking to you, man. Wish you nothing but the best of luck moving forward. Let's do it again. All right. Sounds good. Appreciate it. Take care. All right. Thanks. You too. Stevie Brown, safety for the New York Giants. And and Stevie Brown had a, a, a big-time season in uh, 2012. I mean, a Pro Bowl caliber season in 2012. I mean, the eight interceptions. And, and, and every time I turn around, I'm seeing interceptions by Stevie Brown. And, and, and um, you know, where, where did he come from? You know, that, that that's what's going on in my head. Where did this guy come from? And he's just making play after plays after plays for the New York Giants in 2012. And he was a big, big, big player for them during that particular season. And he was on the verge, I believe, for having another big-time season in 2013. And the funny thing, like I said, it's ironic. He went down, he tore his ACL, um, Getting an interception after an interception, returning an interception. So, so this this guy, he has a knack for the football. He has a knack for the football, and, and those eight picks tell you all you need to know about that. So we'll see if he can bounce back in 2013, 2014, get himself healthy, and ultimately contribute for the New York Giants. And, and the New York Giants have been quiet in terms of free agency at this point. He talked about John Beeson. They brought him back, obviously bringing Stevie Brown back as well. Been quiet. But at the end of the day, I, and, and I'm going to keep uh, hammering this point, I'm going to keep hammering this point at the end of the day, doesn't matter what you do in March. What matters is what you do in May, and that is the NFL draft and who you draft, who you, who you uh, bring onto your roster in the draft. That's what wins championships. Look at the Seattle Seahawks. Look at them, and that's all you need to know. All you need to know. All you need to know. Now, going back to free agency and going back to a lot of these deals, a lot of big-time deals being made. I mean, a lot of deals being made. And Again, New England, you've got to be happy. I'll trade Tlaib for Darrell Revis any day, or Revis for Tlaib any day. Give me Darrell Revis any day over Aqib Tlaib. And that's not a knock on Tlaib. That's just saying Darrell Revis is Darrell Revis. So I'll take Revis over Tlaib any day, including Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Saturday and Sunday. I, I, I'll take him any day. And I think the Patriots, you've got to be happy with the upgrade. You've got to be happy with the upgrade. And you've got to be happy with what you've been seeing during championship weeks, the, the highs, the lows, the upsets. I mean, uh, I mean, you've got to be happy with them. You've got to be happy with what you saw. I mean, it's so exciting to watch, so exciting to see. You've got Villanova going down at the buzzer, 
St. Louis going down. I mean, Syracuse losing yesterday as well. I mean, it's just a lot of upsets, and that's the beauty of the NCAA tournament. That's the beauty of March Madness. You just don't know what can happen. It's only one game, that one shining moment, that one shining moment. And we're going to bring in a guy now who experienced March Madness, a guy who's coached in tournament play. Let's bring him in now, coach for St. Peter's College, Marlon Guild, assistant coach for St. Peter's College, Marlon Guild. Marlon, how are you, man? Hey, Paul, how's it going? How's everything, man? Everything is well. Thanks for joining us. No, no problem. As always, thanks for having me, man. And Marlon, a lot of upsets so far in championship week. Villanova going down. Syracuse going down. St. Louis going down. Let me ask you this. Do you believe like this this is going to be a prelude to what we will see in the NCAA tournament? Uh, I, I think this year more than any, man, is, is definitely, I wouldn't call it a year of upsets. It's just a lot of parity in college basketball nowadays. You know, and I think this is due to guys coming and being one-and-done guys. Uh, you know, now you're finally starting to see where programs that have guys for three, four years, you know, they understand what it takes, you know. So I wouldn't call it necessarily upsets. You know, you just got teams that have had guys for long stretches of time. I mean, you look at, uh, you know, Syracuse losing the other day. Well, you know, those guys are all fairly new. You know, Ennis is a freshman point guard. You know, Trevor Cooney, who's finally playing now, hadn't really played. You know, so you're seeing all these kind of things. And, you know, I just think it's a lot more parity this year more than any in college basketball. Is it good for the game? I'm sorry, what did you say? Do you, do you believe that's good for the game, parity, oh, and, and the one no, and done creating the parity? Oh, no, definitely, man, definitely. I mean, who, who wants to see blowouts, man? If you know who's going to win a game, why watch it? Right. You know, but I, I think with the way these conference championships have been going, you know, and leading into the tournament, you just never know. I mean, back in the day, you never knew who was going to win, you know, like 88 with Kansas winning the national championship or even Nova, you know, against Georgetown. You know, Mm -hmm. I think now more than any, you know, and if there's one thing that fans like, it's excitement, you know, and and unpredictability. And I I think you're going to see that, you know, starting uh, Tuesday, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday after they have the the playing game. You'll definitely see that. Now, you spoke about Syracuse, and they went down to NC State. This is a team that's lost five of their last seven games, and it seems to be a little different. What's going on with Syracuse? Uh, You know what, man? When you can't necessarily shoot the basketball, you know, it it makes it easy uh, for teams to match up against you. You know, I'll ask you this. I mean, you look at Syracuse's roster, aside from Trevor Cooney, you know, who else would you – call a shooter. I mean, C.J. Fair, who I've loved C.J. Fair since he was in high school, but, you know, yeah, he can make a shot from time to time, but if you just play off guys and force them to put the ball on the floor, eventually, to get to the rim, they've got to meet you when you're playing defense. You know, when you don't have a guy that can shoot the ball, you know, that, that's, a, that's a big hole for teams to fill. You know, so I think with Syracuse, that's what you're seeing now. You know, they have all the athleticism in the world, but, you know, if you can't put that ball in the basket from the perimeter, you know, you, you can struggle, you know, uh, night in and night out. Now, how much do you think that will affect them in the tournament? Do you see the same uh, type of problem reincurring in the tournament? 
No, you know, I, I, I do. I, I think early on, you know, they were finding ways to win. You know, the the NC State game, they were able to pull out uh, and things like that. But now, you know, the pit game, they were able to pull out on, on a big-time shot by Ennis. But now, you know, teams have figured out how to play them. You know, and what I think people tend to forget is, you know, the college game is a big-time scout game. And, you know, if you can scout an opponent, and especially now in conference play with the ACC, with them adding more teams, you know, you, you have more time to prepare. You know, you're seeing them two times a year, maybe even three times, depending on when you get to your conference tournament. You know, so it, it makes it a lot easier. And I, I think with Syracuse, you know, teams are figuring out how to play them. For sure, for sure. And, and, and you can see it. We're talking to St. Peter's College assistant basketball coach Marlon Gilder. Marlon, let's look at Kansas now. I mean, no Joel Embiid, and, and this is a guy that's probably going to miss the first round, if not the whole second round as well. Obviously, it depends on matchups, and, and this thing is all about matchups, tournament. But how far can Kansas go without Embiid? I don't know if they can go too far. Uh, I watched them last week against West Virginia, and uh, you know, f- first of all, what a performance by Andrew Wiggins. Yeah. Uh, you, know, you know, watching him go off. You know, and it kind of silenced the critics, I thought, you know, that that game. But, you know, Andrew Wiggins can't do that every night, you know. Uh, And it's just not fair to him as a freshman uh, to go put up 40 a night, especially, you know, on a game where you're probably going to play on a Thursday and then you got to follow that up on a Saturday. It's tough, you know. so depending on who they get, you know, maybe they get out the first round, second round would be very tough. I mean, Embiid is such a big factor uh, with with everything they do. Uh, you know, I, I like the way Perry Ellis has been playing this year. Uh, the kid, the point guard Mason, you know, plays hard, has a lot of heart, you know, but it, it'll be tough not to have Embiid for those first two rounds. Now, Marlon, as, as we prepare for the tournament, we talked about how wide open – this tournament will be. Do you have any sleepers? Who are your sleepers? Uh, I'll tell you what. You know, I wouldn't necessarily call them a sleeper, but nobody's really talking about them. Uh, Florida, man. You know, granted, they're number one in the country, but I don't think they're getting the respect that they deserve. Um, Albeit right now they're playing Tennessee and and losing by one. But, um, you know, I, I think we've all gotten caught up in the hype of Syracuse losing X amount of their last games. You know, Kansas not having Embiid. Um, you know, and nobody's really talking about Florida. And, and if you look at their roster up and down, you know, what they've been able to do with uh, Wilbekin averaging about 13 points a game. I think Prater's at about 14. Uh, you know, Michael Frazier's at 13, I believe, and you know, Dorian Finney-Smith, who won six men of the year in the SEC. You know, so I, I think from top to bottom, you know, I wouldn't necessarily call them a sleeper. I just don't think they're getting the respect that, that they deserve. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I think Arizona's probably in that same boat. You know, I, they got a big game later today against UCLA, but, uh, you know, what, what Nick Johnson's been able to do over there. And granted, you know, they play on the West Coast, so sometimes a lot of people don't get to see them. But, uh, you know, I, I would say Florida and, and maybe Arizona, you know, wouldn't be sleepers, but, you know, the team that I, I don't think that people talk about enough. 
Now, Marlon, we got Wichita State. This is a team went undefeated, a mid-major, so you know their plight, you know their situation, and not necessarily getting the respect that other mm-hmm. teams in the big conferences are getting. You look at this particular team, and I remember a few years back, back in 2004, maybe that was 10 years back, actually, you look at St. Joe's and, and a team 27-0 in the regular season, a team that made a lot of people, Billy Packer, I remember Billy Packer talking about this team shouldn't be a number one seed, and this is a team ultimately that made it to the Elite Eight and were a John Lucas the third three-pointer away from getting to the Final Four. But you look at Wichita State, and you look at this team, how legit is Wichita State? All right, no, just just to go back, man, I, I was actually just watching that game uh, a couple of days ago, uh, St. Joe's versus Oklahoma State, probably one of the best that was a good moments. And Yeah, no, one of the best moments in NCAA tournament history is John Lucas and his dad embracing after that game. Um, you know, but back to Wichita State, I mean, are we going to knock them for who was on their schedule? You know, I, I don't think that's fair to them. You know, they every year I believe they played an ESPN bracket buster. Well, that's not around this year. You can't blame Wichita State for that. Uh, I believe they were supposed to play another tournament this year, and um, the tur- something happened. Either the game got canceled or the opponent wasn't superior like they were in the past. You can't blame Wichita State for that. Uh, you know, but I, I'll say this about them. They've got, for any mid-major program, what's important, if you've got three to four guys that can average double figures for you, you'll always be in the game. You mm-hmm. know, and I, I think that they have that in, uh, you know, Clean Anthony Early, who um, I actually tried to recruit him out of a D3 junior college. And to see what how, he's doing now, it was uh, unbelievable. Um, how close were you, know, you to getting him? Uh, you, you know what, man, I, I'll, I'll say this. He ended up going to a, uh, a Jerry Mullins camp at the end of his sophomore year, or excuse me, going into his sophomore year, the summer going into his sophomore year. And at the time, only had mid-major to low-major schools uh, recruiting him. I think it was us, Iona, uh, Central Connecticut State, and maybe Maris. That was it. And I, I watched him at this uh, Jerry Mullins Junior College camp, and he was the best player there, hands down. And, uh, you know, it, it's one of those things that you hate to see, you know, after every play that he made, when you see other coaches fumbling through their uh, coaches' packet to see who that kid is, you know, you kind of knew, like, well, I, I ain't getting him no more. Um, <laughs> it, it, you know? <laughs> and, uh, you know, he, he comes in there and, and helps them go to a Final Four this year, uh, last year. And, you know, he's picked up right where he left off. I want to say he's close to about 16 points a game you know, six rebounds a game, and he's just a matchup problem, you know, because he can make a shot, you know, from the perimeter, and he can put the ball on the floor, can post up at about 6-7. You know, that, that that's not easy to guard. You know, now granted, you know, high major teams might be able to do that, but, you know, match up with him. But when you have him putting up the points he's putting up, you know, Fred Van Fleet putting up about 12 points, you know, four rebounds a game, you know, and, and passing the ball. I want to say he might be averaging close to five to six assists, you know, and, and let's not forget they played a lot this year without Ron Baker too, you know, and, and still were able to win, you know. So that right. says something, you know. So when you have those three guys that have all been battle-tested and know what it takes to get to get to a Final Four, not even get to a Sweet 16 or, or an Elite Eight, these guys have all been to a Final Four together, 
you know, so I, I don't think they uh, they get the necessary respect, you know, that, that they deserve. And, you know, hopefully for them, you know, you'd want to see them go far because it's a good story uh, for college basketball. And it goes back to what I said earlier about parity that, that's going mm-hmm. on. You know, you don't, you don't have to go to a Florida, Kansas, or Duke to get recognized. You know, you look at Wichita State, you know, what they've done. And, uh, you know, Greg Marshall's a hell of a coach. Uh, he's got a good staff and uh, Coach Jans and, and Coach Forbes. You know, and those guys recruit pretty well. They, they know what their uh, what their formula is and, and stick to it when it comes to recruiting, when it comes to playing and the guys they're looking for. You know, so, you know, you just like to see them do well just for, you know, the mid-major sake. <laughs> and you, you look at another team who was a mid-major team in Creighton, you know, they have a big-time score. Doug uh, McDermott, he's doing big-time things. We all saw the Sports Illustrated cover, a la Larry Bird, many moons ago. You look at this team. I mean, a lot of people are thinking they can make a Larry Bird, Danny Manning type of uh, uh, tournament run. Do you see that with these guys? Oh, no, definitely. And uh, I'm going to show my age on this one. I had never seen that Larry Bird cover uh, until a couple of days ago. Um you know, so but for your listeners, you know, I, I ain't that old. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you, you know, I, I, with Doug McDermott, you know, I actually had a chance to watch them uh, extensively last night. Uh, you know, Pat Sellers, that's on their staff, is a good friend of mine. And, um, you know, he has been raving about uh, not just McDermott, but just the Creighton team as a whole. And, you know, just from the difference between – you know him working at UConn and coming at coming to Creighton now, and uh, you know just the support that they get is unbelievable. But uh, you know back to their players. You know McDermott is a hell of a player. Uh, you know I, I wouldn't call him uh, Adam Morrison clone. I, I think he can do a little more than Morrison. I think he's a little tougher uh, than what Adam Morrison was. You know a few years ago for, for Gonzaga. Uh, you know, but they've got good pieces around them as well. You know, McDermott gets a lot of the the hype, and, and rightfully so, should be player of the year and every other POI award that's going to come out this year. He should get them all. Uh, but you look at, you know, Ethan Raggy's averaging close to 11 points, four rebounds. You know, and, and Austin Chapman, you know, point guard for them, eight points, you know, I think five assists a game. In the Big East, that's that's not easy. And I understand, right. yes, yeah, not the Big East of old, but hey, those guys came from a mid-major conference, and you know made the jump to a high-major conference, and haven't lost a beat. You know, look at what they did to Villanova twice For this sure. year. Uh, you know what they're doing in, in the Big East tournament now, and I, I think that they'll have a tough test tonight with uh, with Providence. You know. Um, you and I have spoken before about my affinity for Ed Cooley, you know, so it won't be easy uh, for them. But, um, you know, I could definitely see them making some kind of noise and going far in the tournament. You know, where that is, I'm not quite sure, you know. Right. But uh, it'll definitely be interesting to see how they play. Now, we, we you, you talked about Villanova, and that was a team that lost to Seton Hall at the buzzer. You guys actually beat Seton Hall during the regular season. But you, you look at Villanova and, and, you know, their quest for the number one seed. When it's all said and done, do they get that number one seed after that loss in your mind? 
No, you know, I, I don't think they will, but I, I'll ask you this. How important is a number one seed? Does anybody really remember that? I, I couldn't even tell you who the four number one seeds were last year. Right. Uh, you know, so how important that is, I'm, I'm not sure. You know, I, I'd say this. You'd rather lose a game maybe in your conference tournament or early on or late later on in your season so your guys can refocus, you know, around this time. Um you know, to to win four games in, in, in the tournament and, and get to the final four. Uh, you know, but watching watching Villanova, you know, if there's one thing I think that does hurt them, it's maybe maybe having an inside presence. I think after Daniel uh Uchepu, you know, they're they're very limited. Uh, you know, yeah, Pinkston can slide to a four, you know, play some three. You know, but he's probably about six five, six six. You know, which is fine. Uh, and I'm a big Javon Pinkston fan, but uh, you know, to have that inside presence helps. Uh, I mean, you look at how Pitt was back in the day. You know, in, in the early uh, 2000s when they had all those big guys, it, it's very important. Uh, but at the same time, you know, not to take anything away from from Nova. I mean, their guards are. You know, top to bottom, probably the best guards you'll, you'll find in the country with Archie uh, uh Hart, you know, Hiller, James Bell. You know, th- those guys, you match them up half the time, they're probably just as good as any of the guards in the country. Now, Marlon, you're, you're in the, like we said, you assistant coach St. Peter's College, a mid-major type team. Now, obviously, the conference tournament is very important for you guys. You more often than not have to win it all in order to get to the tournament itself. Now, as a whole, do you, do you think there's too much emphasis on the conference tournaments in general? Uh, yes and no. I mean, I look at it this way. No, from the standpoint, it, there's so much unpredictability that comes with the conference tournament. I mean, you look at uh, the Big East tournament, well, Seton Hall beating Villanova. Now it gives Seton Hall a chance, you know, obviously they lost to Providence yesterday, but it gives right. them a chance to say, hey, you know what, we might be able to get to the tournament now. You know, yeah, we know we didn't take care of business during the regular season, uh, but now, hey, we still have a fighting chance. You know, St. Bonnie's uh, beating St. Louis. You know, it's what college sports is all about, you know, a, a one-game playoff to move on, you know, survive and advance. You know, so from that standpoint, I'd say no. But then, you know, I think for the bigger conferences, it it matters. Okay. You you know, you you look at somebody like a um, like a Virginia. You know, I don't think they get the respect that they deserve. But you know, now if they can end up winning the ACC tournament, you know, it just shows you that hey, if they were the regular season champs, and they deserved it. Um. You know, you see what Louisville's doing in the AAC, you know, going through everybody. If they were to win it, it just shows that, hey, we were the best team. You know, so I think it just differs, you know, depending on uh, high majors and mid-major levels. Uh, You know, for the mid-majors, it's what we look forward to. You know, I I can tell you, you know, this year alone, uh, with our team in particular, you know, we had seven new guys on our roster, and and it was – you know, it's hard to get guys to gel and get the chemistry right. 
But, uh, you know, one thing we kept telling our guys was, hey, you just want to get going in the right direction come uh, the middle of February or beginning of February going into March. And, uh, you know, for us in particular, you know, we did that. You know, we won seven out of our last ten games. Uh, you know, we ended up winning our, our first round conference tournament game. And, you know, uh, unfortunately we ran into a good Manhattan team who ended up winning the whole thing. But, uh, you know, I just think for leagues like ours and mid-majors around the country, it, it conference tournaments give you a chance to say, hey, let's try to play our best basketball and see where the tips fall. We're talking to St. Peter's College assistant basketball coach Marlon Gilden. And, and Marlon, as we look at it now, and you say you don't remember who the number one seeds were last season. I don't either off the top of my head. But in, who who gets the who gets the number one overall seed in this tournament? Is it going to be Florida? I know a lot of people are talking Florida, number one team, team in the country. Who gets that number one seed overall? Uh, you know what? I, I would have said Florida. And, uh, you know, it all depends. Like I said, they're, they're, they were losing to Tennessee the last time I, uh, I checked. Um, but, you know, if they end up winning the SEC tournament, i, I got to say they'd probably be the overall n- number one seed. I mean, look at what they did in the SEC this year, just going undefeated, which isn't easy. You know, granted, right. excuse me, the SEC is not what it usually is, but it's still, you know, the, the lesser teams in the SEC can beat a lot of high major conference teams, you, you know. So I, I would say them. Uh, maybe, you know, depending on how they do in the Big Ten, I could see Wisconsin, uh, you know, probably sneaking in there and, and, and getting a, a number one seed, um, maybe even overall number one. You know, so th- those would be the two the two teams that I, that I could think of. Uh, you know, may, maybe Virginia, you know, but like I said, they don't get the necessary respect they deserve either. I mean, they have a good team with Joe Harris. Uh, Anthony Gill, Justin Anderson, those guys, and uh, Tony Bennett does a, a great job. I just think that they play collectively as a team. You know, they don't have a guy that's going to wow you, but, you know, they got a guy that can get 13 here, 10 here, 10, 9, and, and things like that. And, and that's very important. Uh, you know, I, I think depending on what Arizona does uh, tonight against UCLA, you know, it would be big. You know, Nick Johnson, like I said, is playing out of this world. Uh, you know, T.J. McConnell uh, is, is a good point guard for them. Uh, the kid Hollis Jefferson is playing well. Aaron Gordon's playing well. So, you know, they, they could be that could be another possibility. Arizona being a overall number one, if not getting a number one seed out of the four that would be given out. Now, now, Marlon, um, I, you know I can't let you get out of here without talking about the NBA more specifically. <laughs> your East New York, Brooklyn. We all know where you're from. Um, Phil Jackson. So, um, major announcement Tuesday. He will be going to the New York Knicks as the president of basketball operations. How do you feel about it? Uh, I, I hope. I just hope it doesn't mess up the chemistry that's going on right now. You know, winning <laughs> five in a row. And uh, last time I checked, they, they were beating the Bucks uh, earlier today. Uh, you, you know, I, I kind of look at the Knicks like a college basketball team. You know, let's just get to the playoffs and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, but uh, having Phil Jackson come to New York, you know, I, I think, if anything, just his presence alone 
you know, will cause guys to, uh, you know, shape up. You know, mm-hmm. the, the guy has credibility like no other. Um, you know, when he talks, you, you have to listen. And uh, just look, look at look at his track record, man. I mean, he, he went to Chicago and turned that around. You know, he got Michael Jordan to buy in. Um, you look at when he got to the Lakers. You know, Shaq and Kobe were able to buy in. It's, it's almost like a like like a marriage. A guy that's you know divorced his first wife, divorced his second wife. Well, when he gets to that third one, you know, if if, if he gets divorced again, at what point does he say, "Well, it's me." You know, and, and that's how I think the, the Knicks players have to look at it. Like, hey, once Phil Jackson uh, gets here, if we're still not where we need to be, well, then, hey, maybe it's us. So, you know, if, if, if there is one thing I, I would say that uh, would be questioned, is, you know, he hasn't proven himself in a, in a general manager role, which is always uh, interesting, you know, or, or something, you know, that will bat your eye a little bit. But, um, you know, I, I just think having him around more more than anything will get guys to shape up. And I, I think Mike Woodson tried to do that, and it's unfair. It was unfair to him the way he's been treated. Mm-hmm. But, you know, this is New York City, and, and you know what comes with the job when you accept it. So it'll be interesting to see. But uh, I'm, I'm ready to welcome Phil. Okay. <laughs> Well, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. You, you talked about you, let's stay with the analogy thing. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I look at I look at I look at a a guy like Phil Jackson when he went to Chicago, Jordan, Pippen, in place. He goes mm-hmm. to to the to Lakers, Kobe and Shaq in place. To me, Phil Jackson is almost like a Mariano Rivera. He's a closer. He's the, he's the mm-hmm. ultimate closer. Here with the New York Knicks. You, you need more of a starter, a Greg Maddox, a Tom Glavin type. <laughs> and I, 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 I look at the situation now. We've seen Phil as the closer, but we haven't seen Phil as the starter. Do you think right. that, that, that means anything? Uh, you know, it, it, it means a lot, but I can say this. I, I bet you he can start bringing guys from other teams here. True. You know, let, let's look at it that way. You know, let, let's start with that. Um, he, he can start to get guys to shape up. You know, <laughs> we know J.R. J. Smith hasn't been the best guy in town. Right. Um, you know, we know that uh, that there have been some, you know, bickering in, in the locker room between players. You know, I, I read somewhere between the uh, CAA guys and guys that had different agents, you know, that they've been <laughs> bickering. Um you know, so I think he can start by cleaning that up. And, okay. uh, you know, maybe, you know, I don't want to throw this out there, start by being the next coach. Never know. <laughs> right. I mean, <laughs> who better who better to coach the Knicks than, than Phil, the president, Phil Jackson? I mean, but I also want to ask you this. I mean, Melo said in an interview a couple of days ago, look, this doesn't change anything for me. And I don't know how true it is, but that's what he said. And he also, over the years, Phil Jackson has said about Carmelo Anthony that when the ball goes to him, it tends to stick. So uh, my my question to you, and, and obviously if you don't resign Melo, I think the Knicks become a, a complete rebuilding type of situation. But do you think bringing Phil Jackson is enough to keep Melo in New York? 
I don't know if it's enough to keep them, but it shows that they are serious about trying to contend, you know, in the future. Uh, you know, and let's just call it spade a spade. I mean, Melo's window is probably at about three, maybe four more years right. to be effective, you know, to, to quote-unquote be the guy. You know, I, I still think when Melo's about 32, you know, he can go to another team and be – the second option, and that mm-hmm. team would be good, uh, you know. But I, I think it shows the Knicks' direction of, hey, we're, we're trying to make a stand here heading into the future that, hey, we are serious about winning. Um, it's not just about selling tickets and, and getting paychecks. You know, we want to put a good product out there on, on the floor. I mean, let, let's just be honest. I, I think in, in New York alone, uh Fans are going to come regardless if you're winning, if you're losing. You know, just off the uh, the allure that Madison Square Garden brings, and and now you've added Phil Jackson. You know, just think about this. You know, could you imagine what it's like to go to the Garden and think that hey, Phil Jackson is in the building 41 times a year? You know, right. people are going to pay just to see him. Sure. Um, you, you know, but I, I think with with Phil. You know, like I said, just the credibility he brings. Hey, maybe now Kevin Love picks up that phone call. Right. You know, maybe other big-time free agents pick up that that phone call. You know, rather than hearing from Steve Mills, can you imagine what it's like uh, if you pick up the phone and you hear on the other line, hey, how you doing? It's Phil Jackson. I might might drop my phone. (laughs) You know, it's one of those kind of things, man. So... You know, I don't see nothing but positives uh, with this hiring. It fills in it for the right reasons. Right. You know, hopefully it's not just something to show the Lakers up and say, hey, you guys didn't give me a chance, so I'm going to, you know, burn you and come over here. Uh, hopefully he's, you know, sincere about the job, wants to do a good job, and, you know, help New York put a good product back out there on the floor. And, and uh, you know, Scott Layton couldn't do it. Uh uh, Isaiah Thomas couldn't do it, and Donnie Walsh couldn't do it. Now we'll see if Phil Jackson can can finally do it. I mean, it, it, he's been he hasn't been an executive, so well it, it, it's it's going to be interesting. I, I mean, it's definitely going to be interesting, and it's definitely going to bring attention to the New York Knicks. I want to ask you one more thing, and I'll stick with the NBA. One more thing, um, Kobe Bryant. Um, Charles Barkley put the blame on Kobe Bryant in terms of what's going on with the Knicks. I'm not the Knicks, the Lakers, excuse me, and, you know, saying that, you know, that two-year 48 mil, you know, he didn't have to take all that money. Um, He didn't need to take all that money. But you look at the whole situation with the Lakers. Do you blame Kobe Bryant a little bit? I mean, because he came out hard on management with the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, You know what? I I can't blame Kobe at all for, you know, taking the money. I mean, you look at when he first got into the league, uh, the contracts that were being given out, and I don't even think Kobe got one of those max deals early on, if, if I'm not mistaken. I think that's when they started the salary cap. So, you know, what, what I think, what is he making now? Two years, uh, 48, 48 million? 49, uh, 48. 48, 49. I mean, if there's a guy that deserved it aside from, Michael Jordan, it's got to be Kobe Bryant for everything that he's done for that franchise, that organization, and just for a game of basketball in itself. Um, you know, here's a guy that 
came into the league at 17, 18 years old. And, you know, let's, let's just be honest. He's been consistent every year, you know. And yeah. he didn't he didn't just want to be good. He wanted to be great. And, and he's done that. You know, so how can you fault him? Was Michael Jordan wrong for taking those one-year deals for 30-plus million, you know, the last couple of years with the Bulls? No, I, I, I don't think so. I mean, but at the same time, the Bulls were able to put good pieces around him. You know, unfortunately, the Lakers haven't been able to do that. And, and some of that is part of the entry bug, um, you know, but, but you look at trading for Dwight Howard. Well, that didn't work out. Well, he probably could have traded and got somebody else, you know, that was just as good as Dwight Howard, you know, or, or maybe two guys for the price that, that Dwight Howard uh, got you. Uh, you know, Power Gasol, you know, isn't the uh, – isn't the toughest cat around, but, you know, when Kobe's in there, <laughs> he knows to put those big boy pants on. Um, <laughs> you know, you didn't foresee Steve Nash getting hurt, but you knew right. what his track record was the past couple of years in, in Phoenix. So, you know, I, I don't necessarily blame Kobe for that. I, I think it's just the Lakers' management, uh, you know, not, not doing their due do just diligence, you know, almost like what right. the Knicks did with Stoudemire. They didn't do the necessary sure. research, you know, knowing what his knee situation was. So, you know, uh, I, I can't blame Kobe for that. For everything that he's done for that organization, uh, you know, since Shaq has left, if Kobe Bryant wouldn't lead the Knicks, would the Lakers, I mean, lead the Lakers, excuse me, would they even be relevant? You I know, not. so, you know, so. Uh, and I, I respect Charles Barkley's decisions or, or his comments, but, you know, uh, hey, man, we, we all got to get paid at some point. You know, <laughs> and, and for Kobe, he, he decided to get paid, you know, the last couple years of, of his contract and uh, of his playing career, and I, I can't fault him for that. Um, other guys have done it, you know, and, and look at it this way. For the competitor that, that Kobe is, he still wanted to come back this year. Right. You, you know, so you factor in all that, and it's like, how can you how can you put a blame on a guy? Um, I, I can't, you know, just as a basketball fan, I, I can't. There, there, that guy gives you everything he's had for the past 16, 17 years. You know, there, there are certain guys that you can't, you can't fault, you know, for taking right. the money. You know, and, and Kobe... If not one A, he's definitely one B. No, I I don't necessarily blame Kobe either. I more so blame Jim Buss for the decision to hire Mike D'Antoni after <clears throat> firing Mike Brown. I mean, you have Phil Jackson out there, and you know we know what Phil Jackson is. He's a closer, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you're a Lakers team with with Dwight Howard. You're a Lakers team with Kobe Bryant, Steve Nash, and obviously Steve Nash. You know the injuries caught up to him, and Dwight Howard. He wasn't 100 percent last year, but at the end of the day, if Phil Jackson's there, Dwight Howard is probably still there in L.A., and then mm-hmm. the Lakers are probably still relevant. And then you can also make this argument, and it's, a, it's, a, it's not you know, proof, it's not a, a foolproof argument, but you can make this argument about Kobe Bryant. What if the Lakers were a more competitive team? Would Kobe have been pushed to play the type of minutes that he played and ultimately did that? all the minutes that he played, did that lead to the rupturing of the Achilles? I mean, obviously it's a stretch, but what I'm saying is at the end of the day, 
if you bring in a, full, a Phil Jackson when you had an opportunity to bring in a Phil Jackson, this Lakers situation wouldn't be what it is today. Bottom line. Oh, very, very true. I mean, you know, like what we said earlier about Phil Jackson, you know, he's a guy that demands your respect. You know, I don't know if Mike D'Antoni does that. Uh, you know, in, in Phoenix, he, he wore out his welcome a little bit. And, and in New York, we all know how that ended up. Uh, you know, I think with Phil, you know, maybe Dwight Howard doesn't say the things that he says in the media. You know, right. or, or there's not that uh, friction in the locker room. And, and even if there is, you probably don't hear about it. For sure. You, you know, because when Phil walks in, it's like, okay, I just need to shut up and, uh, sure. you know, go about go about playing the game. So, you know, I, I, I'd agree with you on that one, um, you know, with having Phil stay within the organization and, and finish this thing out. You know, I'm sure Kobe would much more prefer that than uh, Mike D'Antoni. For sure, for sure. And, Marlon, before we get out of here, we've we got to ask you this, and I know the brackets have not been revealed, so this is, this is a difficult question, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Who wins this whole thing? Who, who's going to be the national champion? <laughs> uh, well, you know, since St. Peter's isn't playing, I'm okay. going to have to go with uh, – <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna to have to go with, with, with Florida, man. I just think they have way too many weapons. Uh, you know, I think if they can get past Tennessee today, uh, you know, they'll get the winner of the Georgia Kentucky game uh, for the champion SEC championship tomorrow. Uh, but like I said, it, it's just way too many pieces for them. Uh, w- way too many, you know. And we don't even talk about Patrick Young, you know, who's a guy that's been there for four years, averaging close to 11 points a game, six rebounds a game. Uh, you, you know, uh, Will You Get is a great player. Michael Fraser is a great player. Will is a great player. You know, when you have four to five guys, you know, I, I spoke about with Star State earlier that has three guys that can get you double figures. Right. When you got four to five guys that can do it, that's even harder to, to match up against. But who, who do you stop? For sure. You, you know, at, at, at some point, you know, they'll just wear wear down on you. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think the Gators will end up, you know, winning the entire thing this year. Okay, we'll see. Marlon, as always, man, pleasure talking to you. Wish you nothing no. but the best of luck. Let's do this again. No, no problem, man. As always, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Marlon Guild, assistant basketball coach, St. Peter's College, um, New Jersey. And, you know, we'll see what happens. The tournament is, is it's a great time of the year. March Madness is always fun. Next Thursday and Friday, you could argue one of the better days in sports. I mean, you know, the Thursday and the Friday. It's almost like, to me, the first week of the, the playoffs in the NFL, first two weeks, where you have that games, those games on Saturday and Sunday, and the excitement of it all. And then it should be interesting how this thing plays out. It's wide open. I mean, there are a lot of teams that can win it. And with the one-and-done in college basketball, now those mid-major teams, a lot of those teams are senior-laden teams. They're teams with a lot of experience. They're teams who have played with one another for a long time. So they have the cohesion, the continuity necessary to be effective. So we'll see. We'll see. Hello, you're on Go For It. Hello? Paul? Yes. (laughs) Paul, I just called to say that I really enjoyed your show. Oh, okay. I, I, I'm, a, I'm an avid fan, 
uh, the show is great. I'm learning so much. You know, I'm new to a lot of sports, and this this okay. is helping me with the, the learning curve. Okay, okay. So do you, do you have a point to make? <laughs> the point is, uh, I'm a fan. This is, that's, okay. that's the point. Uh, okay. it, 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 do you need me to make any other points, sir? Now, I see your area code. Your area code is of a, a Philadelphia area code. you like what the Eagles have done to this point? I love it. Okay. You know, uh, Chip Kelly has made some, like, questionable decisions in terms of uh, play calls and, uh, you know, crunch time decisions uh, that maybe weren't the best during the season. But overall, I think we're going in a positive direction. Okay. I like it. Okay. So um, you, you like? Go ahead. Uh, the, the acquisition of Sproles, I think that was, I think that was good. I'm liking yeah. that. Uh, we kind of, you know, I'm slightly out of the loop because you know, very busy person. But you know, I, I haven't heard of any other moves that they're considering. I, you know, always had a lot of concerns about our defense. Right. But we also, we can get a. A big-time receiver, that'd be great. Well, I mean, I, I kind of like the way the Eagles are constructed in terms of uh, the wide receivers and, uh, you know, in terms of what they've done with their wide receivers and Macklin and Cooper and Deshaun Jackson. I'm happy there. I'm happy with everything they have on the offensive side of the ball. But to your point, I, I have some questions about the defense. We all know um, they brought in Malcolm Jenkins, but we don't know exactly if that's going to pay dividends. I mean, it's a safety that has ha- it's been okay but it is an upgrade over what you had. So we'll see you about the Philadelphia Eagles. Thanks for the call. Sure, sure. Now, uh, let's, speaking of the Philadelphia Eagles, and we've got about seven minutes to go, Darren Sproles, his wife, Michelle Sproles, she has some interesting uh, messages on Instagram. She said some interesting things uh, about the situation with Darren Sproles. Ultimately, he was traded to the Philadelphia Eagles for a fifth-round draft pick, and at one point the thought was that the Saints would release him. Ultimately, that didn't happen. They pulled him back, and they decided to make a trade. But let's see and read what Mrs. Sproles, Michelle Sproles, said about uh, the New Orleans Saints and her disappointment in the organization. And I'll read it. I am so disappointed in the Saints organization, the way they are treating my husband. I understand this is a brutal business, business, but when you have a good guy who works hard and does a lot for the community, you would think they would show a little more respect. To verbalize to him that they will release him so at least he can choose the team he wants to spend his last few years in the NFL on and then back, then take it back without a word, try to trade him is bleeped up. I, have, I know I have no control over this, and God is going to work it out, but in the meantime, I'm going to vent and talk bleep la. Who that nation? Get ready for a ride because the seeds y'all front office is planting is not going to be a good look for y'all. See the way my God is set up? He gets the last say. Can you get back better than the Copting curse? Out. I want to give out these some other bleeps. I mean, this, 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 you know, before I finish this up, I mean, and I know she hashtags this, but this is a lot of God and, and, and curse words together. I don't know if those two things are necessarily synonymous uh, together. But anyway, she says, see, the way my God is set up, he gets the last say. 
And can you get better than a constant curse out? I want to give these mother bleepers. Hashtag, yes, I cursed and praise God. Hashtag, only God can judge me. Hashtag, I put his charger picks up because the saints ain't ish for what they doing. This is the wife of Darren Sproles. I, I look at this tweet, and first of all, I'm troubled, you know, you're, and she hashtags it, but you got God and cursing uh, together. Those two things aren't synonymous, but it is what it is. But anyway, if, if I'm Darren Sproles, I, I think he needs to check his wife. And I'm going to be honest with you. You don't need to be saying this on Instagram. You know that you need to be going on social networking, social media, and saying all these type of things. She's speaking for him. So this is the way he really feels. Now we know how Darren Sproles really feels about the Saints organization and what they did for him. This is not what you want. This is not what you want. And I would be a little afraid of a Compton curse out, to be honest with you. I think I would be a little afraid of a Compton curse out. But she said some things that, that excited me a little bit. From this standpoint, the New Orleans, I'm a lifelong Philadelphia Eagles fan. Let me put it out there right now. The New Orleans Saints, they signed Jarius Bird. Now she says the way her God works, that if, if that bad things are going to happen to the Saints, that the Saints may not be good. It may, they may not be good. She says, who that nation, get ready for a ride, because the seeds y'all front office is planting is not going to be a good look for y'all. That tells me this. The Saints may have some struggles there next season. That's exciting to me, because now that gives an opportunity for my Philadelphia Eagles to make a run to the Super Bowl. One less team I have to worry about. According to Michelle Sproles and reading her Instagram profile and reading what she wrote on Instagram, this is a good situation for all the other teams, all the other 31 teams in the National Football League. Her God, according to Michelle Sproles, says, guess what? Guess what? What the Saints organization is putting out there, what they're putting out there, guess what? That's going to affect this team moving forward. And I say, this is a great thing, Michelle. Thanks for bringing this to my attention. I truly appreciate it, but at the same time, if I was your husband, I would check you on this. You wouldn't be putting up this kind of thing. You don't need to be putting up these type of things. You don't need to be putting up these type of things. You don't need it. You don't need it. You don't need it. And so I I, I look at this and you know, if, if if I'm Darren Sproles, I'm not too happy about my wife and what she put up there on Instagram. I'm, I'm not too happy about it. I really wouldn't. And so, I mean, it was it's, it's funny. It's, it's definitely comical. It, it, it's definitely exciting. It's definitely interesting to hear. But again, my wife, not happening. I'm I'm, I'm not allowing that. You know, she's got to get checked. And you wonder if she will get checked by Darren Sproles for putting what she put up there on Instagram. But, again, all the other 31 teams in the National Football League should be on some level excited by what they saw here on Instagram with Michelle Sproles because, that, that, because the reality is she says her guy going to work it out. And she also said that because of the seeds that the front office of the Saints have planted, it's not going to, not going to be a good look in New Orleans, we shall see. But Jarius Bird and, and Vicario and Keenan Allen in that secondary definitely is a good secondary with the Saints. I want to thank McKinley Freeman of 
VH1's hit series, Hit the Floor. Make sure you follow this man on Twitter, at McKinley Freeman. Also, hit him up on Instagram, at McKinley Freeman as well. Also, I want to thank New York Giants safety Stevie Brown for stopping by. Make sure you hit him up on Twitter, at StevieBrown27. And also, I want to thank St. Peter's College assistant basketball coach Marla Gill for stopping by and dropping knowledge on the NCAA tournament. You can listen to this show and other great shows at blogtalkradio.com slash pgant, where you can listen to this show and other great shows. Follow us on Twitter at GoForGant, G-O-F-O-R-I-T-G-A-N-T. Also, hit us up on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash user slash GoForGant. Can't even talk during the final minutes of the show. Again, listen to this show and other great shows, blogtalkradio.com slash pgant. For everybody here, go for it. We hope you have a great day, great night. See you later. Take care. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.